Good morning. Uh, what a blessing. Um, Jesus, you are worthy of, of the praise, the worship. Um, just overwhelmed this morning. Thank you, worship team, and those um, all the time in the practice, and just lifting the name of Jesus up for us. Uh, what an encouragement to my heart this morning. Um, so if you get a chance, please open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 24. Ephesians 6, verse 24. And I want us to examine in our time together our love for the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I want us to look at just the last verse of this wonderful letter and meditate on what we discover there. Here's how the Apostle Paul ends this letter to the church at Ephesus. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Paul closes this letter by reminding us that the Christian life is not merely about all the rich theology we have learned over the years as believers. It's not even about living out that doctrine in our daily lives. The Christian faith is not merely knowing the truth, agreeing with the truth, being emotionally stirred by the truth, or even trying to obey the truth, even though these things are essential in our walk with Christ. But at the heart of this one verse is a personal response of love to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to meditate on the implications of what Paul is saying in verse 24. And I want us to evaluate the true condition of our own love for Jesus Christ this morning. In fact, I want every one of us here this morning to ask herself or himself this simple question. Do I love Jesus Christ? Do I love Jesus Christ? Nothing is more important than our answer to this question. We see in Revelation chapter 2, verses 2-4, through four, Jesus says this to the church at Ephesus, I know your deeds, and your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, A, small a, and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance. And you have endured for my, my namesake and have not grown weary. That sounds good, doesn't it? But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Our answer to this question will tell us whether or not we are a Christian, or whether our profession of Christ is just that, merely a profession. Because the message of Scripture and the message of this verse is that loving Jesus Christ is the primary characteristic, the distinguishing mark of a true believer. 
Our Lord said in John chapter 8, verse 42, If God were your Father, if you really knew God, you would love Me. That's really Paul's point here in Ephesians 6.24. In the beginning of this letter, Paul begins by speaking about our spiritual position. In chapter 1, verse 1, he says, the believers in Ephesus are saints. That's their position. That's their standing before God. They were set apart as special objects of His love and His care, and His favor, and His mercy. But he ends the letter in Ephesians 6, verse 24, by referring to their own response of love and devotion to Jesus Christ, not their position. He does this in the context here of Ephesians 6, 24, by pronouncing a blessing on the Christians here in Ephesus. Literally, the text reads this way. Grace to all the ones loving our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that definition of what it, that's the definition of what it means to be a Christian. For example, in John 16, verse 27, Jesus says this, The Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me and have believed that I have come forth from the Father. You have a relationship with the Father, Jesus says, because of Me. Paul writes to Philemon in chapter 1, verse 5, where he describes Philemon this way. He says, I hear of your love, which you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ, and toward all the saints. Turn over in the book of James, James's letter, because I want you to see James refers to Christians in the most interesting way. In James chapter 1, verse 12, he's talking about trials and dealing with trials. We're, we're very familiar with this passage of Scripture in James. And he says, says in James um, chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres, under trials, meaning Christian who remains under the trial and sees it as from God and stays faithful to God. The verse continues, for once we have been approved, that person will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised, and listen to how this ends, to those who love You know, we hear about these crowns in the New Testament, but don't picture something you put on your head. That's not the idea. The idea here is the crown which is eternal life. And who gets this crown? Notice the Lord has promised this crown of eternal life to those who love Him. Over in chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 5, James makes exactly the same point. And in the context of impartiality and partiality within the church, he says in verse 5, Listen, my beloved brethren. Did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? Now watch what he says about the kingdom of Christ. Which he promised to those 
who love Him. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Peter describes Christians in this way. Though, I have, though you have not seen Him, seen Jesus, you love Him. Now just in case all of this isn't clear, Paul leaves absolutely no room of doubt for the, when he closes out his letter in, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. Listen to what he says. If anyone, that means me, you, anyone, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, he is to be accursed. This couldn't be any clearer than that. Those who love Jesus belong to God and know God. Those who do not love Jesus are damned. And so you can see there is really no more important question you can ask yourself than this simple question. Do I love Jesus Christ? But that raises a key question. How can I know if I love the Lord Jesus Christ? And here again, there's dangerous ground all around us because there are flawed ways to determine that we love Him. One way people approach this problem of do I love Jesus, and you've probably heard this before when you evangelize, is to set up their own criteria, their own standard, and then to elevate themselves against that standard they created. They measure themselves against their own standard of love, and then they say, you know, I do love Jesus. I mean, take a look at what's true in my life. I made a profession of faith many years ago as a child. I raised my hand at a church service and received Jesus Christ. I try to live a good moral life, not cursing, not watching bad things on TV. I treat people the way I would want to be treated. And I try to read that Bible whenever I can find time. I like going to church. I feel good when I go there. I give them money when I can afford it. And I go to some of their events when they have them. I, I definitely love Jesus Christ. The problem is that these are all our own standards. Imagine if the world of commerce, everyone could establish their own standards. I thought about going to a grocery store, right? And you go to the grocery store and you say, I'd like a pound of turkey. And the deli counter guy goes behind the counter and you see him grab the turkey and he starts slicing it and he puts three thin slices on the paper, folds it up, takes that little plastic bag, puts it in the plastic bag, seals it, hands it to you and says, have a, have a nice day, sir. We look down at this puny little plastic bag with three slices and it says $12 a pound. What, what would we say? Hey, wait a minute. Excuse me. This isn't a pound of turkey. And the attendant says, well, you know, I think it's a pound. I... It looks like a pound. I made them a little extra thicker today. I, I, pretty close to a pound. What's going to be our response? It doesn't really matter, sir, what you think a pound is and what you don't think a pound is. There's a scale on the counter. 
And it, it was designed to measure the amount of weight on it. That is a pound, not what you think is a pound. The objective standards of weight and measures is set by a tested and calibrated scale. Well, guess what? You and I don't have the authority to determine whether or not we love Jesus. We can establish, we can't establish the standard of that. We can't write the script and then see if we live up to it. Only Jesus has that authority. And he can, and only he can say whether or not we love him. So how do we know? Well, we can know through the objective standards, not of a scale, but of the Word of God, the Bible. I have searched through the New Testament this month and found four primary tests, four evidences of a genuine love for Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, our own assessment doesn't matter. It's Christ's assessment that matters. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. Our hearts are so deceitful that we can't even trust our own perceptions of whether or not we love Jesus. We need an internal, external test, a true standard that helps us. And that's where these evidences, these truths come in. These evidences provide a test of whether or not you and I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Moreover, these evidences help teach us how to grow in our love for Him and how to express our love for Jesus even more. So how can you and I if we know if we love Jesus Christ? This is the most important question we can ask ourselves. How can we know? Test or evidence number one. And there were, I think I, I, I'm pulling the camera footage up on in the, in the narthex there because I didn't have a bulletin this morning. And so I don't know if you have a bulletin and if you have the handout, but uh, I'm going to pull the tape and see who took mine during the week. <laughs> Test or evidence number one. I got a detective friend that will help me with this. Is Jesus more valuable to me than anything else in my life? Is Je and listen, I, I preach these sermons to myself. I just want to let you know, and then I share them with the church. Because I'm constantly challenging myself in God's Word. That's the part of sanctification. That's the part of becoming more and more in the image of Christ. As we read God's Word, as we study God's Word, as we come under the teaching of God's Word, He conforms us more into the image of Christ. Is Jesus more valuable to me than anything else in my life? Turn back to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. There are a number of parables that Jesus gave about His kingdom, about knowing Him and being part of His kingdom. 
buried in the heart of these parables are two very brief ones that are sisters to each other and basically communicate the same truth in different ways. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. This is what it says. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven, that is Christ and His kingdom, knowing Him, being part of His kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. Now back in those days, there weren't banks as we know them today. Sorry, Mark, there were no banks in those days. You didn't go and deposit all your wealth in a safety deposit box in the bank. Instead, if you had that kind of wealth, you wanted to make it so that nobody could find it and it was safe, it wasn't uncommon for them to hide, to hide their wealth somewhere in the ground on their property. So apparently, somebody died. And nobody knew there was a treasure buried in this field. Somebody now comes and finds the treasure hidden in the field. And then the, it go, the, the passage goes on. Which a man found and hid again. And from the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Here's a picture of somebody who has come to see the value, the infinite value of Jesus Christ and belonging to His kingdom. He's willing to give up everything, everything, to receive it. This isn't talking about earning your way or buying your way into the kingdom of heaven. This is about coming to the realization of the infinite value of Jesus Christ in our lives and being willing to give up everything for His salvation. He is worth more to us than anything else. The same story in the next parable. Look at verses 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. Here he doesn't stumble over it. He's seeking it. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Nothing else he possessed. Nothing else he could even imagine could come close in his mind of the value that he found. That's how it is with Christ and His kingdom. Here, in these two parables, is the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ in our lives. If you want to see this in, a, in the life of a person, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, I think it's verses 7 and 8. Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8. Paul uses in Philippians 3 the language of finance. And he says, before I came to faith in Christ, I had these assets. I had a rich spiritual legacy. I had external righteousness in keeping the law of God. I was zealous for the things that mattered. 
And he lists a long list of these spiritual assets. Then he said, I thought these things were really valuable. That they were really important to me. And look at verses 7 and 8. But whatever things were gained to me, those spiritual assets, those things that were gained to me, those things I counted as loss, as a liability. Why? For the sake of Jesus Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And in Paul's case, he didn't just see the value of Christ and have a willingness to give up everything. He did give up everything. Notice what he says at the end of this verse. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, I count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Jesus Christ. Paul says, I put Christ on this side of the scale, and all my assets, and all the things I thought were valuable on this side of the scale, and on the Damascus road, I came to see that Christ was infinitely more valuable. And I was willing to give it all up for Jesus Christ. Is there anything in our lives that matters more to us than Jesus Christ? I'm not asking for a politically correct answer. I'm not asking for an answer that we ought to give. Because I'm good at that. I'm asking for a genuine, I'm asking us a genuine question. Is there anything in our life that's more important than Jesus Christ? Personal prosperity, money, success, possessions, status, success in our field, personal pleasure or fulfillment, whatever it be that kind, uh, whether Scripture allows or doesn't allow, can we be honestly sick? Can we honestly say we love Jesus Christ more than these? Is there nothing in our lives that we would give up? Not willingly to love Jesus Christ more. Jesus could ask us to give up anything and everything. Whatever things, whatever stuff we've created or accumulated in our lives, we would consider it as rubbish for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ and loving Jesus Christ. There's a second test or evidence of our love for Jesus. Is our affection greater for Jesus than any other person in our life, including ourselves? Is our affection for Jesus greater than our affection for any other person, including ourselves? I want to show you two passages. Passages that make this very clear. Look in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Jesus says this, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Meaning, Jesus would be the sword that would divide families based on their response of love and devotion to Him. 
In that context, he says in Matthew 10, verse 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus says you can't be my follower, you can't be my disciple, and love someone else more than me. That's the bottom line. By the way, that's a real tough saying. I remember many years ago, the first time I read through the Bible completely and I got buried in that spot. I was like, God's telling us that not to love my mother and father? That it should look like hatred? And I, until I seen the original use of this, this, this word in, in, the, in the original language, that it meant love less or, or it didn't mean that. The English language changes that word. Hatred. Um, so it means that our love for Jesus should be much greater than any other love, any other relationship we have. In fact, we have to love Jesus more, so much more, Jesus says, than our love to other people in comparison to Him looks like hatred. Turn over to the parallel passage in Luke 14, verses 25 and 26. Jesus makes this point very clearly. Now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned to them and said, in Luke 14, verses 25 through 26, If anyone comes to me, in other words, if anybody wants to follow me, if anyone wants to be my disciple, if you want to be in my kingdom, if you, have, if you want to be right in your relationship with me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Again, by him using this word hatred, he's not saying you actually hate them as opposed to love them. He's saying your love for him has to be so surpassing, so great, that, even, that every other love for every other person looks like hatred in comparison. And again, I want to give you the note uh, for that word. Genesis chapter 29, verse 31. Je- uh, Genesis chapter 29, verse 31 We see this word hate or hatred in the original language meaning unloved or loved less. And that is in the case of Jacob's love for Rachel over Leah. So I just wanted to give you that note. Jesus is claiming supreme allegiance to our affections. To be a Christian is to have our affection more for Jesus Christ than any other person including ourselves. That's the point here. Let me ask you this question this morning. Ask myself this question this morning. Is there a person in our life whom we love more than Jesus Christ? And my granddaughter is pretty close to that. (laughs) But Jesus Christ is my first love. And my wife Sherry's right there too. And if it meant devotion to Christ or devotion to that person, would we choose that person 
a spouse, a friend, a, fi- a, a fiance, a family member, a parent, a son, a daughter. If you were forced to choose, would you be willing to let go and choose Jesus Christ? That's what Jesus is saying here. If you have a choice, it's got to be me. If you're going to be my disciple. Many of us have had these kinds of situations in our lives when we repented of our sins and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and followed Him, especially those of us from unsaved families. When you have fellowship with other believers, you'll hear this. Um, it happens a lot, and it, unfortunately it continues to happen. You know, family, a lot of families uh, like my own, you know, we, we, we celebrate holidays in a certain way. We speak certain ways in our home. We have certain values as a family. There's certain kind of conversations at the table. And when God gives us a new heart, and He, and he gives us a, a, a new life, we become different. And, and, the, and all of a sudden now, there's confrontation in our families. Hey, you know, Sunday morning, we used to do the, the whole... You know, the, we'd go out and get the beer. We would get the hero. We'd, put, we'd get all our game jerseys on. We'd put the TV. Yeah, I'm going to worship Jesus Christ in the morning. What? What happened to Steve and Sherry? What are they? Yeah, we, we don't talk that way in our home no more. That's not honoring to Jesus Christ. We don't speak that way anymore. At work. We work. For Jesus Christ. I mean, yes, we work for this company. I work for National Grid. And then we go out and we do our job. We, we run businesses. We, we, you know, what we do every day, we have a different heart, a different motive of what we do and why we do it. And it's to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Our friendships, young people, it's tough. They commit their lives to Jesus Christ and all their friends around them are different. They, have different, they want to do different things. It becomes difficult. We lose a lot of friendships because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the sword that Jesus is talking about. Even those things we used to enjoy, which we don't enjoy no more. Some of these shows I used to watch, I can't believe I used to watch them. How do we measure whether our love for Jesus is greater than our love for ourselves? It's a question I've asked myself this week. How do you know? Ask yourself, are you willing to set aside your own desires to pursue His? Are, you willing to give, are we willing to give our life as a living sacrifice? That's what He demands, right? In Romans 12.1, I beseech you, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. No relationship can raise, rise any higher than our relationship to Him. There's a third evidence or test. They get shorter now. <laughs> Do we love His people? Do we love His people? Do we love other Christians? Do we love the people in our church? 
Nothing in Scripture is more plainer than this. If you really love Jesus Christ, you will love others who know Him and follow Him. By the way, this isn't just true for those in ministry. Look at Hebrews 6, verse 10. It says this, Hebrews 6, verse 10. You, know, you don't need to look at it. I'm just going to read it. God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards His name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. He says, you've shown your love for God and for His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by ministering and continuing to minister to the saints. And this, we read this earlier in our Scripture reading, uh, John, 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for God for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If you love, and in this context, other Christians, you have been born of God. You've been born again and know God. Verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God. Couldn't be any clearer than that. Look down at verses 19 and 21. We love because He first loved us. We love in response to the love God has shown us. Verse 20, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. And he does not know God. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he can see, cannot love God for whom he cannot see. Verse 21, this commandment we have from Him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. And he's talking about his brother and sister in Christ. Continue down to chapter 5, verse 12. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the children born of Him. Again, he's talking about other Christians. If you love the Father, you will love His children. Verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. You see, it's impossible to love Jesus and not love His church and His people and be part of their lives. People who say, I love Jesus Christ, but don't belong to a church or come and worship among the body of Christ, they're not connected to the people of God and they're not living out their lives trying to care for God's people as Scripture calls us to. That's what the Scriptures teach. Do we enjoy being around Christ's people? Do we love them as John says in 1 John 3.18 in deed and in truth? Do we visit sick people when they're not feeling well among the body of Christ? Do we care for those who are going through hard times? Do we pray for them? Do we open our pocket and give for their physical needs that can be met? Do we spend time with others who love Christ? Do we love His people? 
If you love Jesus, you will. There's a fourth and final evidence of whether or not we love Jesus. It's this. Do we obey His commandments? Do we obey His commands? Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. In the upper room discourse, the night before His crucifixion, our Lord makes this so clear again and again. In John 14, verse 15, Jesus says this, If you love Me, you will keep My commands. So if you love Jesus, you'll keep His commandments. Look down at verse 21. Same chapter. He who has My commandments and keeps them, in other words, listens to them, treasures them, obeys them, this is the love, this is the one who loves me and who loves me and will love my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Here he says, you are truly my disciple. Down to verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. There's no question about it. If we love Him, we will keep His Word. And my Father will love Him and will come to Him and literally make our abode with Him. In other words, have fellowship with Him. And then He says it negatively, just in case we miss it, in verse 24. He who does not love Me does not keep My Word. Listen, we can test the reality of our love for Jesus Christ by taking the commandments of the Bible seriously. That's what Jesus is saying. When we're faced with decisions, do we find ourselves asking the question, what would Jesus want me to do? Do we ask ourselves often, what does the Bible say about one situation or another in our lives? What about how we live? How, how we handle our Christian liberty? And on and on it goes. When our conscience confronts us with a sin pattern in our life, do we ignore it and move on? Or do we take it seriously and fight hard against it? Jonathan Edwards said this, quote, Do you fight against your own corruption? Do you pray and fight and struggle and work hard to pursue changes in your own life? End quote. So how did we do with these objective tests and evidences today? How did we measure up to the standard that Jesus uses to measure our love for Him in His Word? Is He more valuable to us than anything else in our lives? Is our affection greater for Him than any other person, including even ourselves? Do we love His people? And do we seek to obey His Word? Do we love Jesus Christ? I'm not asking this morning if we made a, a decision or prayed a prayer or walked an aisle or signed a card. I'm not asking if we try to live a, like a Christian 
I'm not asking these questions. I'm asking, do we love Jesus Christ? We need to constantly remind ourselves of the Gospel and of God's great love for us. That's what makes our love incorruptible towards Jesus Christ. You know, every day I need to remind myself of the Gospel. I need to remind myself of the great price that was paid for my salvation. That God so loved me that He gave His only Son. And that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God loved me so much that He sent His Son to die for me on the cross. I can never forget that. I can never forget the love that God had for me. I never can forget the great price that was paid for my salvation. And I can never forget as I live each day who my Lord and Savior is and who I want to glorify in every aspect of my life. Pastor Mark Musser used to use a, a bicycle rim. That was the greatest illustration, I, I tell you. He used to talk about the, the bicycle rim and there was a hub. There was a, you know, the core of that bicycle rim. And he would say, if that rim, if that hub is cracked or broken or damaged, all the spokes that go out from that hub are affected. They're loose, they're, they're damaged, and in return, that rim of that tire, that tire cannot ride straight. It cannot, it cannot work properly. It, it's going to wobble all over the place. And that's the same in life. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, if you do not know God, then that core, that hub of your life is not strong and sturdy and all the spokes, um, hope, joy, peace, love, our relationships, our marriages, our careers that we're putting in line as a young person, everything that's connected to Jesus Christ has to, be, has to come from that hub of knowing Him and loving Him and being committed to Him. And your life will ride straight. It's not going to be easy. But the core of who you are, that hub, will be in place from now until the day God calls you home. And that's the love of God we celebrate today. And that's the love that we have for Christ that we live out each day of our lives. Let us reflect on the great love of Christ through this Christmas season. Remembering the great salvation we enjoy in Him. The hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that has been lavished upon us who believe in Him. Let us hear these words from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 24 through this special time of the year. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love.